God, we really just take this moment to just be amazed by you for a while. Amazed that you really do call us your own. Amazed that you really do call us friend. Oh, we acknowledge, as, we acknowledge that there are voices around us that, that say we're enemies of you. And uh, that you just call us to yourself. This moment, you're thinking about us. You're present. You're loving us. And if there's someone in this room today who's sad or hurting, you're especially thinking of that person at this moment. Or if there's someone in this room today who's confused and looking for direction, you're especially close to that person right now. Oh, we just thank you that you want nothing more than for us to be well, for us to live with peace, well-being, and freedom. Show us today what it means to really live with you every single moment, knowing that when we live with you, we have all the power, all the peace, all that we need for this life and the next. We thank you. Amen. One of the things I love about Scripture is that Scripture is so practical and it's so real. It's one way of understanding our lives. And some Scriptures are more real and more dramatic than others. And today's Scripture is one of those. In today's Scripture, we see this amazing story of how Paul and Silas take on the oppressive systems of their day, are thrown in prison for it, and yet how they do not let that prison hold them or confine them. And when I looked at their story, I saw our story embodied in their story. So many times we face circumstances in our life, or sometimes we'll seek to speak against the systems that oppress, and we will find ourselves oppressed as a result. No matter what circumstance we're in, this scripture, I think, offers what I'm going to call the spiritual breakout cycle. How to break out of that which confines us or holds us. It, it's a wonderful story. One of the key words in this story that you'll notice in your scripture is the word saved or salvation. And some of us have grown up in backgrounds where I think that word was misapplied and misused. I came from one of those backgrounds. And so even to this day, when I hear the word salvation, I feel like somebody's spanking me a little bit or something. And so, <laughs> because I grew up where, where a pastor would preach on salvation, and it's like, it's like it was... The approach was one about of worthlessness. You are so unworthy, so unworthy that you need to get saved and become worthy. And it was like a cross message. It, it's like the message worked at, at cross purposes. And it's like the preacher was trying to get notches for how many people were saved in a worship service. So there's a sense of oppression that sometimes comes with a word that was meant to be about freedom. And I think that's a really sad thing when something meant for good ends up getting misused and ends up defeating our spirit. And so in some ways, the word salvation has even become a prison for some people, depending on their background. So I did a little research on the word salvation, and it was amazing. Because when you look at the meaning of the word salvation, the root word, it's about well-being. It's not about punishment. It's not about worthlessness. It's about well-being. So anytime you hear me say, get saved, what I'm saying is, get well. Amen. Discover well-being. 
And that's what happens in this scripture, and it's really amazing. It's a wonderful story. I'd like us to hear this scripture today. You have a piece of it in your worship folder, but the whole story is really amazing. I'd love for you to hear it in a translation that's a little bit more dramatic and uses words that are very real to life. So listen to this story, and as you listen to this story, think about the spiritual breakout that's happening in this story. One day, on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic and, with her fortune-telling, made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, These men are working for the Most High God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. Paul commanded the spirit that possessed her to come out. Out in the name of Christ Jesus. Get out of her. And it was done, just like that. When our owners saw that their lucrative business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas. The police arrested them and pulled them into a court with the accusation, they are disturbing the peace, subverting our Roman law and order. By this time, the crowd had turned into a mob out for blood. The judges went along with the mob and ordered a public beating. Then they threw them into jail, the maximum security cell. About midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then without warning, a huge earthquake. Every prison door flew open. All the prisoners were loose. Startled from sleep, the jailers saw all the open doors. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to commit suicide. But Paul stopped him, saying, Don't do that. We're all still here. Nobody's run away. The jailer led Paul and Silas out of jail and asked, What do I have to do to be saved, to really live? They said, put your entire trust in Jesus. Then you will live as you were meant to live, and everyone in your house included. They never did get to jail that night, get to bed that night. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then was baptized. He and everyone in his family. He had food set out for a festive meal. It was a night to remember. He and his entire family had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house was in on the celebration. I love this story because it shows what happens when you take any situation, no matter how awful it is, and invite God into that situation. In this scripture, we see a terrible situation. We see a girl in slavery. We see Paul and Silas taking on the oppressors and getting thrown into prison because they take on the oppressors. We see them now getting beaten and flogged. We see them put into maximum security. We see the power of God coming in and freeing them, but that leads to another difficult circumstance. The jailer is now afraid for his life, so he's on the verge of committing suicide. I mean, we've got everything in here. Oppression, jailing, 
suicide. It's all happening. But when God comes into this situation, it all turns to celebration. It's amazing what happens when God comes into our difficult, oppressive, unjust, confining situations. Now this is dramatic stuff. Maybe what you're experiencing is not so dramatic. Maybe you're feeling captive to your bills. Maybe you're feeling captive in a bad relationship. You know what kind of captivity you may or may not be experiencing. Maybe it's an addiction of some sort. But what happens in this scripture is the same thing that could happen in whatever situation you might be facing. The key is following what I want to call the spiritual breakout cycle. It's how God works in our imprisoning or confining situations. How does God enter the situation? We see it when Paul and Silas are in jail. They're at one of those moments that would be very painful for any of us. They've already been beaten. They're in maximum security, and Scripture says they were even chained. Now, at that point, they could easily have given up. I mean, that is a bad, nasty, ugly situation. They could easily wallow in their misery. But they do something that is counterintuitive. At the moment when they should be crying and complaining and angry and bitter, what do they do? Look at the scripture in your worship folder today. They praise God and they sing hymns. That's the first step in the cycle, the breakout cycle. When it seems like the time has arrived to moan and complain and wallow in grief and misery, they turn to praise. And that's the first step in the breakout that they're going to experience. Now, why is that? How does that happen? It's because praise is incredibly powerful. It's one of the secrets that we as Christians enjoy. What happens when we praise? God becomes present. Praise is invoking a power beyond ourselves, a power greater than we can imagine. Praise is power because it brings God into the situation. Yes, it seems counterintuitive. Our intuition tells us to whine so we can get all the support we need from other people, so we can get their sympathy. I can't say that. Get their sympathy. Get their empathy. But other people probably can't help us unless God is working through them. And so how does God work through people? How does God work in the situation? God works in the situation when God is praised and the power of God is released through praise. The first step in the spiritual breakout. Now what happens? When God becomes present in that situation, we see the second part of the spiritual breakout, and that's release. God comes through in a powerfully divine way. In this scripture, it it happens to be an earthquake. It's a very powerful and very clear presence of God. But I believe that God can work just as powerfully in any of our lives. You can call it a faith quake or a love quake. It's the way that God ministers and works with us to bring that release. So it's praise and then it's release. 
It's God's power then becoming active to bring about change. Now, once again, what's amazing here is that Paul and Silas go counterintuitive. Just as it was counterintuitive for them to praise, the minute they're released, the minute God becomes present in that situation, you would expect them to just run out of there, (laughs) to get out of that situation for all their life. But they see that God has a greater purpose in their release. When we praise God and God works in our situation, God immediately calls us to begin to minister to other people, to take the compassion that we've received and share it with others, and that's what they do. They bear witness to God in that moment when they are released. Because of that, their release becomes true freedom. They're able to bear witness to that jailer. How could they do that? Because they shocked him by their response. He was ready to commit suicide because he hadn't done his job. But when they stayed in that situation, he knew, that jailer knew, that there was a power greater than his supervisors. And that power was the power that had released Paul and Silas. And he wanted in on that power. And that's that powerful moment when the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? What he was saying was, what can I do to live with the kind of faith you have? That jailer looked at Paul and Silas and he saw two faithful, fearless people. And he wanted in on that. That jailer was ready to commit suicide. That jailer was on the verge of death. But when he saw Paul and Silas, he saw life. And in that conversation, we see the third piece in the spiritual breakout, which is salvation or well-being. Praise, release, well-being. The spiritual breakout that God's calling us to. Now, I know that we all have different kinds of confining situations, different struggles, different things that we're seeking to meet in our lives. I tried to find a common thread in that. And it seems to me that most of the situations we find ourselves in, most of the bad circumstances we find ourselves in, most of the bad choices we either make or the choices we fail to make that would strengthen our life, the, the, the key thread in that is fear. Think back on some of your experiences. How many choices have you made because of fear? For example, you're in a bad relationship, an abusive relationship, but your self-worth has gotten so beaten down that you are afraid you can't have something better. So because you're afraid of being alone or being lonely, you make the choice to stay in that confining and limited situation. There's other examples. Make your own application there. But it seems to me that so many of the choices we fail to make that would strengthen our life or the choices we do make are fear-based. Again, Paul and Silas had incredible power because they did not let fear become their ultimate prison. And because they were not imprisoned by fear, there was no prison that could hold them. You've heard the phrase, perfect love casts out fear. We see that brought vividly to life in this scripture. So let's for a moment think about how we all together need to break free of the confines of fear and the results of fear. What you're hearing here is some words from Henry Nouwen. We are fearful people. 
We dread physical need or discomfort. We fear for our safety and our jobs. We even grow fearfully suspicious of others and hoard our belongings. We build walls around our wealth so that no stranger can take it away from us. Yet, in a great irony, we thereby become captives of our own fears. Those who make us afraid have power over us. When I lived among the poor in Latin America some years ago, I saw people who lived in a different way. They had learned that fear never need rule. Amid torture and depression and poverty were people living in gratitude and peace. I found less fear than in those living in wealthier countries. Whereas we live, wherever we live, the invitation of Christ beckons us to move out of the house of fear into the house of love, to leave our possessiveness for a place of freedom. Jesus speaks to us in the gospel with strong words. Do not be afraid. It is a word resounding through the entire gospel story. The angel Gabriel said to Mary before the birth of Jesus. The angel declared it to the women at the tomb. And Jesus said it when he appeared to his disciples. Do not be afraid. As we keep our eyes directed at the one who says, do not be afraid, we may slowly let go of our fear. We will be free to see the suffering of other people, free to respond not with defensiveness, but with compassion, with peace, with ourselves. Fear really is the greatest prison. It's fear that stands as an obstacle to this well-being this salvation that's offered in this scripture. And it's so insidious. To, to give you an example, when someone does something nice for you, do you find that on a subtle level, fear kicks in? And it works like this. Why is that person being nice to me? Really? What do they want? What are they going to expect from me? Fear is so insidious that it keeps us from even receiving the gifts the loving gifts that are offered to us. That's why this spiritual breakout cycle is so important because the moment we are confronted with fear, we are called to, even in that moment, praise God and invoke the power of God and then to experience that release and then to live with that sense of well-being. Praise, release, well-being. It's a powerful spiritual breakout for each of us. I had a chance to actually apply this in a given moment this Friday during the taping of The Connection. Um, Every time I made a positive comment about who we are as God's people, one of the persons on that panelist took everything I said as an opportunity to attack. He was twisting my words, and I knew that what he was saying was going to be broadcast throughout the entire Houston area. He went so far as to even imply that 
I couldn't possibly believe what I believe and still believe in God. It was a vicious attack on many levels. And at one moment, I found myself recalling all the old tapes I had ever heard through all my life. All those old tapes of shame and worthlessness. He, he was like that evangelist from my childhood days telling me that I had to get saved or I was going to hell. Telling me that I was worthless. It all came in on me. And I became so angry because my words were being twisted that that anger was fear. A fear of saying the wrong thing that the attack could even get worse. And I knew that at that moment, unless I found a way to overcome that anger and fear, I would not represent Christ in the way I am called to represent Christ on behalf of all of us. And so even though my, my human reaction was to do one of two things, one reaction was to jump over that table and wring their necks, <laughs> but my other reaction was to just lose my voice, to not speak, to actually become confined and imprisoned by the fear and anger of that moment. But in that moment, I said, God, you know that you have called me to be on this panel for a reason. And so I ask you and I praise you as the creator of the universe to give me the peace that I need at this moment to bear witness to a loving Christ, a Christ who does not attack but offers grace. So help me to speak and help me to offer grace in the presence of Christ. And I can attest to the power of God in that moment that the anger which I could physically feel in my body was released. And I was able to offer a sense of well-being in a difficult situation. The spiritual breakout cycle works. Try it this week with whatever you might face. Now, as you look in that scripture, Paul and Silas took that well-being that they had, and it was not just about them. And I can tell you the well-being that we experience as a congregation is not just about us. The message that I offered on Friday is not just about Houston. It's a worldwide message, and right now, I cannot finish this message without calling all of us to remember our brothers and sisters in Jamaica. Right now, Jamaica is the most dangerous country in the world if you happen to be GLBT or Q. Right now, there are people in Jamaica being beaten and murdered, attacked by mobs. MCC is one church that has decided to enter into that situation just like Paul and Silas entered into their situation to offer freedom and peace. On Easter Sunday, the moderator of our fellowship, Reverend Elder Nancy Wilson, went to Jamaica to offer a powerful witness. We're called to join her in that witness, but first of all, here's some words from our moderator, Nancy Wilson, and today Janice is going to pretend like she's Nancy for a moment. <laughs> Everyone in the gay community of this tiny island nation knows someone who has been murdered. The grief in the Jamaican gay community is personal and it runs deep. In the face of violence, Jesus called his earliest disciples to love as he has loved. We cannot ignore that call now. As people of faith, we must demonstrate our care and concern for our brothers and sisters in Jamaica. Their courage is contending with the constant threat of violence and the repeated violation of their rights as human beings. And that must become our inspiration to join in the battle to provide responsible, 
public education, and anti-violence campaigns. While in Jamaica, I met with more than 30 denominational leaders, pastors and counselors and teachers, who are willing to learn more about gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered people, about homosexuality and the Bible, and about theology and sexuality. They're willing to break their silence and speak up for justice and acceptance. On the final day of my visit, I preached at the service at Sunshine Cathedral, Metropolitan Community Church of Jamaica, to more than 100 people, some of who came many hours in tiny little cramped buses. And as I heard the stories, listened to the voices of their choir, and broke bread, I remembered the words of the sacred meal that we observe each Sunday. This is my body given for you. All of our bodies need to be on the line for LGBT, Jamaican brothers and sisters. All of our voices need to be raised and all of our hands need to be uplifted in solidarity so that no more bodies are sacrificed to the mindless bloodshed and needless sorrow. The spiritual breakout cycle. Apply it personally. Apply it to your own life, your own situations. The minute you become fearful or angry, praise, then release and receive the well-being. But remember, it's not just about us as individuals. It's a cycle that can be applied to any situation, including Jamaica. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Jamaica who even on this day are under threat of death. Tomorrow night, your board of directors is going to be meeting and we'll be looking at what our response to Jamaica might be, how we are called as a congregation to help offer the spiritual breakout cycle where it's most needed. So pray for your board of directors. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. God, we thank you that even at this moment, you are calling each one of us to that powerful salvation, that powerful well-being, that life lived for you, that life of peace. We thank you for meeting us where we are when we praise you. Help us to release and then to live our lives in a way that will not only change ourselves, but the world around us. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this, your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world and hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.